0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Politicus. I'm Angela Simoes, and I'm here with Denise Borges. Hey, Denise.
1: Hey, Angela. How are you?
0: Good. How are you?
1: Fantastic. Excited good, for good. another episode of Politicus.
0: Yes, and we have uh, one of our our local guys here today with us, Scott Silvera. Hi, Scott. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thanks for joining us today.
2: I'm glad to be here
0: so i love your story uh which you know obviously've we've, we've heard b- before recording this call so or this podcast so why don't we start with you telling our listeners a little bit about yourself how you became involved in public service um you know and what's because you're currently a councilman city councilman right
2: yes uh, city of los mans councilman i'm uh i'm on my six and a half years of being on the city council in las vangas
0: Wow so tell us tell us about that how did you get started about yourself, what you did this morning because I think that's that's important for listeners to know that uh, you know what what city councilmen also do that they have day jobs too.
2: Correct and so <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go back I'll go back and, and start off from you know I was born and raised in Las Vegas. My family has a tie to the dairy industry. Both sides of the family at one point were in the dairy business. And then, you know, they got out of the dairy business. And then my family started back in the dairy business in 1990. Mm-hmm. So in 1990, we started a dairy in Das Palace. And actually, I was in the seventh grade. And I moved out of my parents' house and moved in and lived with my brothers on the dairy. And so that it took me. I went through school in Las Banas, kindergarten through eighth grade. And I actually went to high school in the next town over Dos Palace. And so I started out there and, you know, and I just listened to, I have a love for agriculture. It's what I know. It's what I've been raised around and I've continued on in the family, family business. And to this day, I'm still a dairyman. And, uh, this morning before the podcast, I was out feeding cows, breeding cows, (laughs) taking care of cows, and, uh, actually started my day a little bit early so I could make, make my, uh, make my time to, to be here with you guys. So, and then I, I, I want to tell you guys a, a funny story about a uh, funny, it's my public service interest in, and in in, in, in the political world started when I was about eight years old at the Mayday fair. And um, of course, you know, I was only eight years old, so I didn't really know a lot about what a mayor was, but I knew that a mayor was an important person. And so our, I met the mayor of Dos Palace. Now, I want to put in perspective: Dos Palace at that time was a, probably a town of about five thousand people. But mm-hmm. I have to tell you, as an eight-year-old meeting a mayor,
0: <laughs> I just—I
2: mean, he shook my hand, and I, I was—I I was hooked forever. I mean, I just—I I thought I was a pretty important guy. I walked around the fair the rest of that <laughs> week, and that I was—I was pretty important stuff because I met the mayor of Dos Palace. <laughs> so, <laughs> And it, it, so it started this this, this this lifelong love affair with community service and being a part of community and giving back to your community. And so where it's taken me is I I've, I'm, man, I was the president of my 4-H club. I was the president of my FFA chapter. When I was 18 years old, I became a volunteer fireman. Uh, with Merced County Fire Department, and soon after that, I became the volunteer fire chief. And then that took me into the world of uh, becoming the president of the Volunteer Fire Chiefs Association. And so, I've always been a person that you know I, I love my community. I do. I, mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. never that. I was never that person growing up that wanted to leave. You know, the Central Valley, where we're located here in Los Banos. We have the best of all worlds. You know, if you want to go deep sea fishing, hey, in an hour and a half from, from here, you could be deep sea fishing over in the Pacific Ocean. If you want to go skiing two hours, you could be up at one of the, the ski resorts. We have just numerous lakes around us. There's, there's just so much to do. And so growing up, especially like in high school, you had those, you know, my friends that as soon as they were done with, high school, they're getting out They're They're getting the heck mm-hmm. out of here. And I, mm-hmm. uh, but I was never that person. I always wanted to stay. And, and it's, it's led me to, you know, being involved in a lot of different organizations, uh, you know, helping, you know, with fundraising events on I, I, another little thing I do is actually, I'm, I do a little bit of auctioneering. I got my start auctioneering at the at festas, uh, you know, <laughs> and that's, they, yep. you know, they, they that's where, you know, I've done it. My my father's does it and so I've done it since I was a little boy, but never in front of other people. Mm-hmm. And they needed an extra hand at the festa and man, I'm gonna tell you what, it's it's uh it's a pretty good way to start is, is when you're in front of a bunch of people that, that already you know and, and like you and so it takes the nerves away and so because of that I start doing, I, you know, I do the auction for the DES in Las Vegas, the DES celebration in Dos Palace, and then also the OLF celebration here in Las Vegas. And it's 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 gotten to take me to some pretty cool places, and to do some pretty cool events, and help out with some pretty cool causes. So that's kind of that part in a nutshell. But you know, that when it comes to the city politics, the city council, what. What drove me is is I think that at some point I always had an opinion. I never lack for an opinion on stuff. And uh, back in 2007, I actually,
0: a Portuguese person. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, you you back in 2007, I moved where I was, My wife and I, uh, which I should mention that you know I did I did meet my high school sweetheart in Das Palace and married her, and we have two children they're actually today's their first day of school they're starting the seventh and the eighth grade so we moved into town in 2007 and you know you, you have an opinion on where you see where you see things are going and how you think you, you would do it if you were there and at some point a person has to decide are you going to just complain about it or are you going to try to do something about it and mm-hmm. that's where I, I got the the itch if you will to say hey you know what I've if I'm going to complain about it, well, I better offer up some solutions. And that's when I started, that was back in 2010 is when I ran my first time. And I'm proud to say I was the top vote getter in the city of Las Panas. And I will tell you that my, one of my biggest bases of support was the Portuguese community. And they still are. Uh, the, I'll tell you a funny story on that. Is So it's this is election day, and I go to my polling place here in town. And there's this sweet lady there, and with a very thick Portuguese accent, she, I tell her my name. And she tells me, Oh, I vote for your daddy. I voted for your daddy. And, <laughs> That's and, so cute. and I, said, I said, No, uh, actually, you voted for me. She goes, Oh, you got such a good last name. You got oh. so you know I, I think it, I I think that uh, you know uh, the Portuguese community man they're they're very loyal they're very a very mm-hmm. loyal group of people and I think that they they really truly support their support their own and and you know we're a pretty diverse group here in the Central Valley especially in our area and I will tell you in my travels I don't think that there's a group that supports their own better than the Portuguese community
1: wow. And since you talk about that, Scott, let me uh, back on that, just ask you a couple of questions. First of all, so you mentioned that the Portuguese-American community in the Las banos area was important to you getting elected. What are some of the issues that you think... Are different, are there any difference the, the issues between the Portuguese American community and the communities in general and what are some of the other, so it's kind of a two-faced question, uh, second part would be what are some of the issues that are different in rural California compared to either the Bay Area or Southern California this is a, obviously a national podcast and we have listeners all over And so uh, sometimes uh, most people outside of California, California is Hollywood and a bunch of beaches but there's right. uh, More diversity than that. So, if you could uh, touch on those two parts. First of all, what are some issues that you think may be different to the Portuguese-American community than they are to other communities? You mentioned a little uh, when we were talking before the podcast about your uh, lack of not knowing Portuguese and 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 that being something that you would have liked to have changed in your life. And also uh, some of the issues that are different to people in Los Banos and not just in Los Banos, I would say throughout the San Joaquin Valley from Stockton to Bakersfield that are uh, somewhat different. Some are the same and some are different in, uh,
2: uh, cosmopolitan areas. Well, I, I, was, I was, let me take the first thing I'll tell. What I'll tell you is, is I don't necessarily think that you know, that it, for for my local area, that the issues are any different for for other Portuguese Americans throughout the country. I think that we all face a lot of the the same issues, and 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 quite honestly, one of those being is is that I think that with you know technology and society you have so many different things pulling you so many different ways That the the fear is is that we lose that sense of community you know going to our festias and and, and continuing on with the traditions that you know I've grown up with I've I've, you know I've I've been going to festas since I was old enough to understand and and there I mean the calendar at least in our family the calendar around us is, is dictated by, okay, when's, when's the celebration, you know? And so what I think that, that all communities are facing this is how do we get that next generation involved? And, and I will tell you locally here I've seen that they've done a good job of as, as some of the older folks that were kind of like the, the matriarchs and the patriarchs of, 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 of the of the Portuguese celebrations locally here, they've they've done a good job in bringing in that, you know, I'm, I'm 39 years old, bringing in that next generation of, you know, of, of their kids and their grandkids to be able to keep these traditions going. And that's, I guess that's what scares me is, is that it's getting harder and harder with, with everybody being pulled so many different ways for so many different things to keep those, keep those traditions going. So I think that's a problem that we don't only face here, but we face everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, one of, one of the regrets that I have is, is, is my great-grandparents migrated from, from the Azores to the States. They came at a time where they, they, they wanted their, their children to learn English. Uh, they thought it was important that they learned English, and and and, I and they they didn't they at home they only spoke to them in English, and so out of my four grandparents, only two of them spoke Portuguese fluently, and then I had my one grandma who understood Portuguese but didn't speak it, and then my other one who who didn't understand or speak Portuguese, and so. I, 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 if I could go back, I would like to change that. I I wish that, you know, my grandparents would have passed that on to my parents and my parents would have passed that on to us uh, because I think that it's a, it's a very valuable, it's a very valuable tool. When you can, when you can understand more than one language, and, and, and quite honestly, I don't care what the languages are. I, I guess I'm kind of, you know, Prejudice to Portuguese because I'm Portuguese American and and so that one's kind of important for me, but any language I think it, it's an it's an asset to you and mm-hmm. and I see that this next generation coming up, you need to take advantage of all the all the the one ups if you will that you could that you could put in, in on your side having a work ethic, being bilingual these are all things that are going to set you apart. Uh, against the, for the competition that's kind of there and now when when we talk about what are some of the issues that we're facing out here in California I, I, I is where I'm at you know in the Central Valley what we are is we, we're we're about as close to the Bay Area as you can get without being you know the coastal range separates us and so what you have is is because the cost of living over in the Bay Area is so much higher than it is over here in the valley. You have a lot of people that are commuting. They're commuting Mm -hmm. over the hill to come and and they're they're living here. and, and, And my goodness, these folks are spending four or five hours a day in their car, you know, to go to make a living. And I can get into, you know, why I think that some of those issues, the breakdown of the family unit, it's that, you know, mom and dad are both having to commute over the hill they're not mm-hmm. here kids are kind of left to their own devices and then you know they're 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 seeking and looking for that family connection and you know and some of them turn to some of the tougher places and then this is where you end up with your gang problems and you end up with crime problems and so something that we're trying to do as a city council is um i believe that it's already hard enough to do business in the state of california and so we have to work even harder to try to bring livable wage jobs to to the valley to where you know are the are the wages going to compete one to one with the wages in the bay area i don't know that we ever get there but you know if i could, if i can just if you guys will indulge me to come up with some mm-hmm. numbers you know if somebody's driving over the hill and they're making $80,000 a year and, and they're having to spend five hours a day and fuel and wear and tear on their vehicles to be able to do that and you know and in 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 las Vegas, or they can they're making you know forty thousand dollars a year well it's obviously still worth it for them to be to drive over the hill and, and to do that you know mm-hmm. on, on the financial side of stuff but if you can increase that to where maybe we can the wages come up to sixty thousand dollars a year here right, right. Then they have to take a hard look. Now, is it worth four or five hours of your life every day, driving in a car, wear and tear, fuel? And so it becomes important that, because we're, we are such a ag-based community, but I think that, however, that's important. And I think that's what, what continues to make the city of Las Banas, the county of Merced, survive is, is agriculture. There has to be a fair mix of both. And you mm-hmm. have to bring industry here so that those folks have the opportunity to live and work in the same place and until until we can do that we we experienced uh, some of the worst and I say this the worst uh, problems with when when the economy crashed housing values in the city of las Veas dropped mm-hmm. by seventy percent
0: seven
2: zero percent and and that's because we we're, we're you know, 65% of the people that live in Las Vegas commute outside of Las Vegas to go to work. And wow. so you, you, you get labeled as that bedroom community. And mm-hmm. if you continue to do that, you live and die by the housing market. And uh, you know, they say Einstein's definition of insanity, right? Is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And so for me, it's something that I'm passionate about. I think it's it's it all ties together. You can you can make a, a correlation between if you can if people can live and work in the same place, it, it brings up property values, crime goes down. Just there's all these things, and they're all interconnected. So they're important to me. They're and they're important, and it's not just Los Angeles. It's it's the Central Valley. That's what we face for for a lot right. of years. The ag. Industry has been able to support this valley, and I think as as people have migrated from the cities into the valley, and you know, uh, I think that it's that that we hit that tipping point where the ag industry is still a big part of it, but Mm -hmm. it can't it can't sustain it. We we need to bring other industry into the valley
0: so to to what extent do do federal policies affect that for your local community because you're absolutely right I, you know i think a lot of the reason people don't even leave the bay area so you know so we live in the bay area and you know my husband and i talk a lot about well if we moved somewhere else in california where there's a you know lower cost of living but then we won't make the salary you know what I mean? So then we're stuck with commuting and right now neither one of us have a commute. And so I think that's a, it's a very real problem for a lot of people uh, in California, not just the Bay area, not the central Valley, but even if you went down to LA, right, I think you'd find the same, same challenges there, you know, and then you talk about ag business and, and how do you bring wages up into town like a uh, you know, city like Los Banos? Um, so I'm curious as to how, when, when the federal government starts to, to make, policy and make laws and change things. How does that affect the local community?
2: Well, I have this saying that I tell people is uh, the federal government prints money, the state government kind of plays the shell game with money. They take money from here and put it over there. And then at the local level, you're stuck implementing all their policies with you know they're unfunded mandates. They are. They, they, you're stuck implementing a policy with no real resources to address them. And I and and so federal policy. I think that it, it's it's incumbent upon us. Is you know we make a once a year we go back to Washington D.C. and they call it the one voice trip. And it's it's a it's it's basically local valley elected officials head back to D.C. and you go and you, and you meet with the the, uh, Department of Ag, you go, you meet, you you meet, you go to all these transportation department and you get these meetings and you go beat your drum and you, and you, you try to take advantage. Because if you think about it, we all pay into it. And Mm -hmm. we, you know, we pay federal income tax and and you pay the money and we need to, we need to just get our fair share back and, and making smart choices on what stuff do we go at? You know, Merced County is one of the poorest counties in the state of California. Our median income level is well below the national average, state averages. And so you're fighting those things. And so there's programs available out there. But again, it takes time and resources to identify those programs and be able to bring those, those dollars back to your local community. And it's trying to get the congressman or the U.S. Senator from, you know, Ohio, name, name the state, to understand understand the, 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 the issues that we face out here. And so it, it becomes tough because it, I just feel like in California especially, the regulations every day, every it seems like there's a new regulation, and, and, and when you get to the local level like we are, You you can't even keep up with the regulations. You can't even enforce the regulations you have on the books, and they want to just keep adding more and more and more. And so it makes it tough as an elected official because you have certain things that you're mandated to do, certain things that you're mandated to spend money on, and then you're, you're stuck with this little piece of the pie that you really have discretion over. And, and how are you going to make that work? How are you going to better your community? And when, when I talked about earlier, when I talked about bringing in industry here, you know, it, true. This, I was at a meeting. I was very first, just got on city council. I was only on maybe a couple months, and I go to this meeting, and this gentleman there, he worked at a radio station, and it was, it was a, it was like a coalition of elected officials, business leaders, and it was a, it was called McKedco. It, it was an economic development engine, if you will, and. He, he stood up and he said, listen, until you're willing to put money into economic development, all you're doing is just talking about it. And it, it really rang true to me. And I and to this day, I still use that line because I, I would I, – this is me personally. I What I, I, I tell my constituents here in Las Vegas, I would rather be the, the guy or gal that looks you right in the face and says, as your elected official, I invested – let's say $100,000 of your hard-earned taxpayer dollars that, that, that have come to the city into trying to bring an industrial park to Las Vegas and have it not work, then just sitting here and waiting for it to come. Because if we wait for it to come, mm-hmm. it, it's so competitive out here now in California that that. It, the, the next city over is doing that they 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 you know a site selector a site selector is who these big companies you know, the amazons the costcos the 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 home depots targets walmart's of the world they they hire a site selector a site selector's job is to eliminate sites so they go around and they have a need and they want to be in an area and they just what well, their job is to go and eliminate they're not necessarily looking for a site They're going and saying, "Well, you don't offer this, so you're off the list." And and then they have what's left, and the the ones that have Mm -hmm. left have met this criteria. And so we have to try to do things to, to, you know, we have to be able to put money into these things. But it's hard when you're making a decision: do we hire another police officer, or do we invest into something that, you know, I don't have a crystal ball that can tell you that it's guaranteed to work. Right. Uh, but 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 invest into something that you know you make with the best information you have that day you make a decision and invest that money into something because you know I, I mentioned that uh, industrial park we, we we're going down that road a little bit and you know potentially at at build out this this industrial park you know could could employ fifteen thousand people and and I know not all fifteen thousand are going to live in Los Banos but could you imagine what that does. For, for not only Las Banas, but the surrounding communities uh, of Merced County. And, you know, uh, if you take, for example, the city of Dos Palos, which is about 15 miles to the east of us, uh, you know, if, if a person could commute 15, 20 miles to work versus having to commute 200 miles to work. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Scott,
1: as we come to almost the end of the podcast, I one, one question I'd like to bring it back is uh, kind of the same time a call for our listeners, but at the same time, just recently, uh, and you participated in the California Portuguese-American Coalition's uh, summit in Sacramento, which brought a lot of local leaders and state leaders together. Uh, Palkus is um, doing, uh, in the, uh, just a few weeks, a uh, congressional reception, and uh, Palkus has done a wonderful job Um I've been saying this for years, not just because I'm on the board, uh, (laughs) at a national level and, uh, you know, bringing awareness of the Portuguese American community to uh, politicians, whether they be of, or public servants, whether they be of Portuguese background or not, we have to make aware one of our problems, and I may just want to quote this uh, very, very, very quickly before the question. Uh, when I was going to college, I had a history professor who, uh, him and I became pretty good friends, and uh, he influenced me in a lot of ways, and one of the things he mentioned to me when he found out I was Portuguese, he said, you guys discovered the world, but you failed to tell anyone about it. Uh, <laughs> and so I believe uh, that is somewhat what we do sometimes in our Portuguese-American communities. We get a little bit too busy with the next festa, and we forget about some of the things that are important to us at the local level, at the statewide level, and at the national level, and I uh, I know that we're all thankful to palcus and the other organizations that uh, keep this awareness alive so my uh, kind of question to you at the end as we as we come to the conclusion of this podcast and I thank you uh, for participating uh, is is um, what do you see, The how do you see the importance of Portuguese Americans, such as yourself, getting involved in local politics? You know, it was said, you know, years ago, all politics is local. And so we, um, uh, getting involved in city councils, in school boards, and I mentioned school boards because you mentioned that one of your regrets, and that's a regret of many Portuguese Americans. We have 400,000 Portuguese Americans in California, maybe 20,000 don't know how to speak Portuguese. Uh, so there's 380,000 who don't. And so, but their grandparents are not alive any longer to teach in Portuguese. And those grandparents who are alive will not teach it because of our busy lives, that you just mentioned, that affected things in local politics. So we need to be a little bit more aggressive. We need to have Portuguese in our public schools. Uh, we need to have Portuguese in our public universities. And uh, a lot of these decisions are not made by the federal government, as you mentioned. They're made at the st- state level, and they're made at the local level, especially school board districts, as you know. So um, from what was done at CPAC and some of the network that went on there, from your experiences in the city council, from your experiences with the Portuguese-American community, from someone who has participated in the Portuguese-American community, uh, throughout his life. What would you see as a call to action uh, to Portuguese-Americans to get involved and to kind of save what our grandparents, in my case it wasn't because I'm an immigrant, but as such as yourself and others, what grandparents and great-grandparents and even parents have built in California?
2: Well, so. It's- to me, you, you, you took the words right. It's, you have to get involved, and and I think that that's the only way that it's going to be done. And it starts at the grassroots level. Is you know you you, you have to get get involved because it, I'm, I'm sorry, but it, in society today, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, and and so we have to. You have to get involved, and we have to do a better job as as, as Portuguese Americans is getting, getting the youth involved and, and, and teaching them, the, you know, all those experiences that I went through growing up, being part of FESTAs, they're things that I would I, I'm telling you, like if I go and do my life over again, they're at the top of the list of the things that I'm going to do again, because they feel like it just, it helps to build you into the person that, that you are today. And so it's, to me, it's, you got to start and you start at the local level because you're you're absolutely right. All politics are local. Um, you know, I don't go to the grocery store. I don't go to a restaurant. I don't go anywhere in town without somebody talking to me about, you know, the local issues. And so I think it starts there. And, and so, and I think that it's, it's just so important and, you know, there's no reason why they shouldn't be offering a Portuguese class you know, they offer Spanish, why not offer Portuguese at the high school level? I, I think that all those things, Denise, are, are, are super important. And, and to tie it to CPAC, I think that, you know, I just participated in the CPAC conference in Sacramento, and all I want to see that deal do is grow. I want to see, and, and I want to see with the next generation getting involved and um, being a part of it and passing on those traditions and our heritage, because it's it's shaped all of us. it's It's created our morals, our values, our sense of culture, our sense of family. and And I'm pretty proud of those things and And we need to do a better job of sharing them with with the country and the world. You know, I sure. think we, we we do we do a lot of great things. and we need to continue to share those things because I think when you when you when you just boil it all down, that's some of the those are some of the best things that we have going for us in our country. Mm-hmm. is those 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 local those tight knit groups that support each other in the good times and in the bad times and it's 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 a matter of getting people involved and when you're competing with so many other interests we have to do a better job of finding how are we going to how are we going to make our groups our organizations rise to the top you know uh, i'm going to sound young here for a second you know make it cool to be a part of these things and i and i think that is something that i strive to do all the time is is how do we you know how do we get involved in, and i will tell you guys my next step is i made an announcement uh, a couple weeks ago i'm running for county supervisor so merced county supervisor district 5 which represents the the west side of merced county and you know it's i love my community i i i think that the morals and values the the business sense all those things that i bring to the table i think it helps benefit Merced County. And, you know, hopefully the, the, the plan is, and, and it's a goal of mine, is that, you know, I'm, I'll be 40 years old next year, but hopefully by the time I'm 50, 55 years old, uh, if not sooner, we'll, we'll have this conversation again. And I won't tell you that Merced County is one of the poorest counties in, in uh, the state of California. Mm-hmm. Through, through some vision, through some leadership, through making some smart investments, that we were able to, we were able to, to. You know, do I ever think that we're going to be as wealthy as you know uh, the wealthiest counties? Well, we, we may not, might, might not get there, but boy, it's sure nice to have a goal of trying to achieve it. Well, and we hope that
1: in ten years from now, Angela and I, I'll be with a cane, but I hope Angela and I will be. <laughs> and uh, and by that time, I don't want to hear, county supervisor. We want to hear that you're running for state office.
2: Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm oh, not sorry. going to say. No to that, but but I want to I want to focus on the one in front of me now. I know that I'm gonna you know the elections not until next June, and we came out early, and and we think that we represent the right things, and we're getting a lot of early support, and uh, hopefully we can we can make those changes there, and you know that if we're successful there, and I, I when you as an elected official. And, and, and for the offices I've ran for so far, they're, they're, they're four-year terms, And really, you don't get a report card until uh, the next election, and, and if you so right. choose to run again, and they put you back in, they give you your, your report card, and hopefully I'll have good grades on that report card, and, and, and you know could maybe achieve higher office
0: mm-hmm well uh, congratulations on uh, on announcing your candidacy for supervisor we uh, we certainly support you and anything we can do to to help raise awareness of your campaign and you know um, generates us support we we are happy to do that. And, you know, one a couple of things I wanted to just highlight throughout the conversation, because in your stories and your comments, I think there are some good lessons for us, both as, you know, citizens, as well as maybe some other elected officials. And, you know, one of those first ones was that just shaking the hand of the mayor had such an impact on you. And at the time it's probably seemed like a little thing and your parents probably didn't even realize what an impact it had but i think that's something for for us to keep in mind that you know as parents it is good to expose our kids to whether it be a city council meeting or you know meeting elected officials when we're at the you know christmas parade or the you know 4th of july festival or whatever it is you know expose our kids to that and it even if it is just a handshake because you never know what kind of impact it will have and then I think on the flip side for elected officials to, you know to never overlook the little guys literally you know the, the, the kids I know it always makes good photo ops <laughs> to have pictures with kids but don't just look at it as a photo op because again you never know what kind of impact that you can have on, on someone's life and inspire them to to get more involved, um, the other thing, the reason I said you know tell us what you did this morning is because just reminding people that if you're on the city council, if you hold other local um, other local positions, you know chances are you still have another job, right? That this is not your full time thing. It's not until you get to the state and maybe federal level that it really becomes your full-time gig and so just you know for people to be reminded of that and that you know if there's anybody that's going to relate to you best I think as a working citizen it's going to be somebody on the city council because they also are working citizens right um so I you know wanted to highlight that and just, just so many things throughout your story that I think really are relatable. And I hope people listening will take those to heart and really think about getting involved. And that could be volunteering. It could be, you know, becoming a volunteer firefighter. It could be uh, volunteering on a campaign. There's a lot of different ways to get involved. It doesn't mean you go, you know, straight running for state Senate, right? (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't have to be a major thing.
2: But what I want to just add on to that is, is it, it it taught me at an early age, and I was I, I was pretty excited that I met the mayor. But as you get a little bit older, and you understand. Hey, you know what? Every one of these folks puts their pants on one leg at a time, just like you and I. Mm-hmm. We're, we're 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 all human beings. At the you know, and so right. Um, you don't you don't need to fall in love with the mystique of oh well that's that's the that's our state senator or that's our congressman. hey, they're all human beings and and, and you know they all have the story and and that could be your story uh, and, and it's it's that's that's what's so great about this country. It doesn't matter. You could be you know, you could be a dairyman, you could be a garbage collector, you could be a, a lawnmower. It 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 doesn't matter. You you can you have to get involved, um and you have to just you know, be passionate about what you believe in and I tell you at the local level it's something that we, we lack right now is people wanting to get involved and, and, mm-hmm. and so what you end up with this is no knock on any individual but sometimes you end up with people because they have nothing better to do. That's all well it's pretty simple. I'll get elected to, to the city council and I'm telling you they don't bring a whole lot to the table in my opinion. Um, <laughs> I, I want I want people that are that are involved that are actively out there that, that, that work because if you're if you're holding down, down a full time job and you still want to have you still want to be on the city council, that just tells me you're passionate about it. And and we need more people to be passionate about their local politics uh, because those are the ones the, the the local policymakers, your local elected officials, are the ones that are making the decisions that affect your life every day. Everybody drives up and down streets every day. They get their garbage collected. They, 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 you know, they like to water their all the, those things. Those are made by your local elected officials. And sometimes what I feel like is, is people get caught up so much in the rat race of life, just mm-hmm. living, and, and you know that they forget about like it's important. Those people that you elect, get to know them. And and uh, I tell you, I always appreciate. The person that comes to me not only with a, a comment, a concern, or a complaint, but a person that 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 also brings a solution to the table. Always have right. if if you see there if you see there's a problem, bring a solution. And I'm not saying that's the solution that we always end up going with, but man, that tells me that you thought enough about it, not just to complain about it, but to that you you've thought about it long enough that you, you've brought a possible solution to the table. Uh, I, I always have a lot of respect for those those type of folks.
0: No, I, I think that's a great point. And, and that I think that philosophy can be applied to not only politics, but to community involvement, to business, to academia. I think it can be applied uh, across the board. So it's, I think it's a really smart philosophy to go by. Well, Scott, we have reached the end of our, of our time with the podcast, and this has really been a great conversation. I hope our listeners have enjoyed it and have been inspired, uh, you know, to take the next step and get involved somehow. We thank you for your time. Thank you so much for being here. Good luck with your race. Uh, we'll be rooting for you. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, please subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. And uh, please share this podcast with friends and family and anyone else that you think would be interested in, in hearing from the, uh, you know, perspectives of Portuguese American elected officials. We need to drive conversation and, and get our community talking a lot more about these issues and, and things that are going to help our community. So thank you for listening. Thanks, Scott. Thank you, Dinesh. and. With that, we'll see you next time on the next episode of Politicus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Politicus, the official podcast of Palcus, the Portuguese American Leadership Council of the United States. Palcus is the premier national organization representing the interests of the Portuguese American community at large. To learn more about Palcus and how to become a member or to make a donation, visit www.palcus.palcus.org. To submit feedback or suggestions about the podcast, email us at palkis at palkis.org. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of the show are not endorsed by Palcus.